with like really good collabs. Yeah. Um, I, I reference the collabs quite a bit. Um, to sync up the audio and video, just so people know, before the first word you hear on the podcast, I clap three times. Yeah. So that when I cut it, I can put it together. And some some claps are better than others. Today was good. Yeah, today was good. Uh, I have something to start, sure. unless you have something. to no, start. you get your crap out of the way. Well, I. <laughs> it's nothing important. We okay. were just talking about it. Um, before. Yeah. Is the I was watching a. <clears throat> highlights of a baseball game and umpires can now review plays as well i don't know when that was yeah i don't know when that was introduced i'm sure it was not sure it's been around for a bit now football hockey all the sports so last night colorado edmonton game one yeah everyone that watches hockey will recall the offside and i wanted to get your thoughts on what you think about being able to review and call and all that kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier. I think it's that's annoying. A good, it's a good, good start. It's a good start. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a time and a place for certain things. I, I believe um, it just, it's, it's like you keep moving the line though. Right. Because once you add a little bit of technology in, which is good, like you take a tennis game, right? Like, why not have a computer to say, no, that was, that was in or that was out. Like we have that ability. So that's good. Like yeah. it's not, uh, how do I, how do I say this? Like if a person, a person makes a mistake that was part of the game before, but now that we have the technology to do that, I think that's cool. Like to review it and then mm-hmm. you go, no, clearly it was in or out. That's, that's fine. You know, you're going to get that every now and then. And it's like one sort of kind of play. When you get into a game like of hockey, it gets so fast. Right, like so. Let's take baseball now. If you get a, um, if you get a strikes and balls, if you go totally computer on that, then it's going to take you. What you don't need an ump anymore, and it's like I just like to have the human element of the game. I really do. Yeah. So um, when it comes to hockey, I just think it's way too fast, way too fast for a lot of them. So goal reviews. Sometimes I like it because, but but then there's just there's that 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 line that gets thinner and thinner. It's like okay, like. It was kicked, but it was kind of kicked. It was, you know, like, uh, I don't even understand that rule. Why can't you kick a puck in? Like, uh, you know, in 2020, yeah. why is that so uh, awful? Yeah. You know? Um, but anyways, they, they go through it over and over, and I don't know. It's It, it gets it, it makes the game longer, and I just, I do like to have a little bit of human element. There's certain things that I do like to have a video review, I guess. Yeah. Because, um it could change the game, I guess, but that offside last night. So I looked at it and they explained it over and over. So I'll do my best to, ten- no, I, I don't even care what the rule is, but basically if you don't have control going over the line and the guy coming out of the zone, his feet aren't on the ice or one of the guy's feet aren't on the ice. Like it's so nitty nitty gritty yeah. that it's, um, so last night when I looked at that play, I'm like, that's offside by a mile. Like it's unqu- like there's no question to it, but the the law of the the was it the law of the land the law yeah. the, the the spirit of the law is it was the right call, yep. but they're trying to say Kale McCarr didn't have control of the puck, but he, I think he did. He just he was like, controlling it, was like it off his and it bounced respect, off, yeah. and, and that's millisecond they determined that now it's not offside. Like I, I just think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's offside. Yeah, because you you well, it's it's hard because I agree with what you're saying is, but as soon as you start to introduce technology, it's like, how far do we go now? Right. So yeah. I feel like it would be in, in a, in certain ways better if it was just 
you have to make a call. Like the yeah. ref is there to make a call. Yeah. Sometimes okay. you're going to make a bad call. But once you start the technology stuff, it's like, okay, now I can review an offside from 90 seconds ago. You That's know? what happens, yeah. So it's like, now it's like if I scored a goal 90 seconds later and we missed an offside and you can call that back. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is that good? It's, I guess it's kind of good, but I kind of like the fact that there's mistakes. Absolutely. You know, there's, a, there's something about it that I kind of like. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's like the, making it perfect isn't, yeah. I don't know if that makes it better necessarily. Right. Like, and you want to get the calls right and I, I get all yeah. that. So I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I don't really yeah. know what, what's better. Yeah. Well, but, coaches make mistakes. GMs make mistakes. Pick yeah. teams. Players make mistakes on the ice. Everyone makes mistakes. The refs aren't allowed to. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the game is so fast, but like, okay, so I'll challenge, not challenge you, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, this is something yeah. that, this is something that bugs me too. So they're trying to get every call right. It's not possible because if we go right down to the, right down to the letter of the law, then like in football, they call whatever they see. So no matter what the game is, if it's clipping, if it's headshot, whatever, everything is called, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Yeah, that's football, that's how football okay. is called. It's like slash hold offside. Yeah. You know, false start. Like, yeah. n- there's no if it is, it is what it is. So if you did that in hockey, because what do we talk about in hockey? How are they going to call this game? How are the refs going to call? Exactly. Are going to let them play a little bit? So like, if we're if you're going to make everything right, then you got to make everything right. So that means if that's there's if there's I mean. a little slash or a little hook or a li- a trip or of any sport. Then it's a okay. it's a penalty and should go review it. That's the, so that's the way I feel. Like so, like it's funny how some things get reviewed, and I I think the game's better. But like I'm watching games now, it's like how many times every almost every game there's a, a one or two video reviews. Yeah, it's like come on, man. Yeah, it kind of disrupts on, the man. game. Yeah. Oh, especially because there's always gray area. You're never like you sure. to your point. You're never gonna make it perfect. Right. So embrace the gray area. You know, if there's yeah. things that are blatant, I get it. And and yeah. the other side of it, too, I guess, is maybe from the ref perspective, because it's such a thankless job where you're either no one pays attention to you. That means they're doing a good job or everyone yeah. yells at you. Yeah. So maybe from their perspective, it's nice to have that kind of to rely on. So you're not getting, you know, on the you're not on sports center for the next 15 years because yeah. of the bad call you made the yeah, one time. Like the Dallas uh, Dallas Buffalo series years ago. When when Brett Hall scored in overtime, and his, the rule was you couldn't have your foot in the blue paint to score, mm-hmm. and and it clearly was, but there wasn't any video review, so that's really not a Stanley yeah. Cup win, right. according to today's law. Exactly. So it's right. it's hard, but that's what I think because there's always going to be some gray area. Just let mm-hmm. there be the gray area, and yeah. And now, so so maybe one of the areas that they they should always keep in mind now because the game is so fast is the player safety rules. So yep. maybe it's the high hits and stuff, but even you start looking at those and it's like, oh my god, like you can you can twist it, right? There's still subjective. What? Because at the end of the day, someone's still making a call, right? It's not a computer saying this is classified as that. This, even if you review it, the ref still is making a call, yeah, right. It might help him to make a call, but yeah. there's, there's two. It's it's so hard, man. It's yeah. such a hard thing, and and that's why I really don't know what I think about it. That's why I want to talk because I was like, it's it's a good thing. You want to get the calls right. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. You want to make sure that it's as fair as possible and whatever. Yeah. But there's just to a certain degree, it just it just gets going pretty crazy. But they did start to put limits too on like how many challenges you can do when it costs you a timeout and this kind Penalties of stuff. Or which, whatever. Which I guess that's kind of good. Zach too. had to serve one last night. Oh, did he? Did they lose one? That's where. Oh, huh? on the offside. Did they lose challenge or what? Yeah. Was it? So they lost the challenge. So like I was just saying that to my uh, wife and Christine, or my wife and Christine. Yeah. My wife and uh, Charlie last night we were watching that and. I said, wow, this has come full circle for Zach, eh? From being a 
Like I, so I was thinking about that. So I've been training Zach since he was 11 or 10 years old. That's crazy. And man. watching him had his all his all the steps and yeah. succeeding and all the downfalls that he's had and yeah. stuff too. But I'm watching his the tail end of his career, and it's like I don't know if Zach's ever served a penalty. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, but 30, yeah. 32 years old, 31 years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's that's another that's that's another uh, thing that I've started to notice too recently is the guys that I grew up watching, they're now starting to get to to the maybe not even necessarily to the end, but more towards the end. It's like you, even like a guy like Crosby, it's like he was the guy like since 2005, he's been the guy, but now it's like, it's, it's 2022. Like he's only got, he doesn't have a lot much longer. And, and now that I'm an adult, you think like when I was a kid and you think about guys retiring, I'm like, Oh man, like they're, they're old. It's like, they're, those guys are old, but it's like, you're 35 mm-hmm. when you retire. You're not yeah. old at all. It's not like, you're not even all. a little bit old. No. <laughs> like, no. you know, so well, most I started, I started my best life at 33. Well, think about even same as Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, apparently he was thirty-three when he came on board. <laughs> same as Jesus. Same thing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus the Christ, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Um, but even like think about Dalton. Like he's thirty-one. He retired. Thirty-one, thirty-two. Like, you got your whole life, man. Yep. Whole well, life. I need to be sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's really that's well. So really just to, I I don't really mean to change gears, but to, to haven't said that when you think about the career. So I was talking about that with my son the other day because you've really dialed him in. Like I'm so it's so impressive to watch how dialed in is dialed in he is with the with the nutrition plan and stuff. So he's weighing all his food and all that kind of stuff. So like in my in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, when is it gonna be? He goes ape shit. And he goes, that's, that's it. I'm going off the rails here. But I always tell him, I said, you should, I said, this is your life, right? This is your life. Because he's working hard. Like he, he always has. But now it's like out of school, right to here. He gets a hard, those workouts are hard, man. And it's six days a week. He's got one day off, as you know. And on his day off, no, no. And then he does some boxing. He's going to go into some jujitsu. So that adding all that stuff. Uh, that's not that taxing, but it's like a brain thing and it's another focus, but then it's the nutrition. So I'm watching him preparing his meals, you know, calling you 20 times a day. Is it okay? Is it, do I measure it cooked or do I measure it raw? Can I use do I butter? Do this? Yeah. Can I use butter? Like, but those are great questions because he's learning, right? right? Yeah. But the thing is, is like, if someone on the outside was to look, they're going to go, this is nuts. Yeah. So this is my point of when I tell people like hockey is not that, not that easy. Like people think is you just go make your money and have the summers off. No, this is your life. And I, that's what I ask him every day. I said, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? He goes, yeah. I said, so I'm just, I'm just being very clear. Your life is hockey, right? Like if you're, if you're going to succeed, this is what it is. You are measuring your food. You are watching what you're eating. You are in the season, taking the time when you're tired to go and do your mobility or get that lift in the, the, the two sets of lifting in anyways and drinking your water. It's like you're, you're dialed in all the time. It's really hard. So when a guy gets to 30 and 35 years old, like you are kind of on automatic pilot now, but when that's over, Oh, that must be a relief. Well, if Do you think about it, it's 15 years or 20 years or 10 or whatever years yeah. of being, I eat and I sleep and I like breathe hockey. Yeah, really, because training. it's all day. Yeah. And, and if, unless you're one of those, because everyone always points out the guy that doesn't have to do what we're saying. Everyone always wants to point out that guy, right? Well, Tyler Sagan is not, Patrick Kane, eh, Vander Kane doesn't, it's like, okay, first of all, yeah, whoever it is. First of all, you don't actually know what their lifestyle is like, number one. You've heard the story. They were in the news once. That was one day of one weekend, one time. The rest of the time, you don't even know what they're doing. That aside, if you're not one of those guys, it's every day, all day. 
it's not it's not just so if you have a nine to five job if you work at whatever factory or whatever job you have office job whatever even trades job you pick your hours like even that it's nine to five and you're done you get to change gears and you get to do whatever hobbies you like you get to go golf you get to go hang out you get to go drink your beers on the weekend you get to go do whatever social thing you want as a as an athlete it's not just a hockey player but as an athlete if you choose to do that you go to the rink you're at the rink let's say at eight o'clock and you leave at two thirty, three o'clock once you're done video and all that shit if you choose to not stay on track you won't be a professional athlete for very long so it's not like you you don't have the luxury you don't work 40 hours a week you work all hours of the day every day you're working and you made a comment this morning about you know, you're like, man, it's so funny watching Charlie eat like it's his job. And it's, it's his like, job. It is his job. Yeah, he's eating like it's, it's not, his job. It's not like it's it's yeah. his job. It's and like that is part of his job. Yeah, and and, you, know? and you really, when you look at him eating, it, see him yesterday eating his all his that big pile of food that he's got because he's he's actually counting his calories, like to make sure yeah. that he's putting on some beef, and he's eating it like it's his job. He's like it's like he's digging a hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. He's like eating it and it's like, yeah. how's lunch? He goes, I don't, I don't know, just another yeah. meal. We were walking out yesterday. He shows me the, because it's so much food. Yeah. He's like looking at me like, you know how much I don't want to eat this right now? <laughs> and then yeah. he goes, yeah. And then I got to go home and eat another one. As soon as I get home, I got another thing I still got to eat, you know? And it's it's just part of the deal, man. And that was one thing I started to, what actually taught me a lot about nutrition stuff and, and how important it is, is from following bodybuilders. And it's it's really interesting because you can take so many things from so many different areas. You know, we talk about it through books. But if you study what other people do, and a lot of people dismiss bodybuilders because most of them are on some type of performance-enhancing drug, and they just dismiss that, and and that's fine if you want, like if you have judgment for people that choose to use drugs and whatever, that's fine. But don't discount how difficult it is to stay on top of your nutrition because there's a lot of people that take drugs that don't look like that, or they you know? take or they take the steroids and they they're they're big and thick, but they're not. They're not they're just big. And they thick. can't get diced up yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So for their for for the bodybuilder purposes, it is fascinating to me. Yeah, for sure. How much they can use food to make their body do what they want it to do, and that's something that a lot of I think that's probably the that and maybe sleep are probably the two most untapped areas of improvement that, that athletes can can make because everyone takes their training serious everyone wants the best workout program everyone wants the best gear best equipment most opportunity all that but something that is the rest of your day which is eating and recovery stuff mostly sleeping is what i'm referring to those are two things that in the hockey culture and probably most sport cultures there's not a lot of talk about that like i went through it for 20 25 years you went through it for however many years and you just, I mean we're still in it and I don't ever remember like any coaches trainers anybody really really harping on not just saying because everyone says you need to eat well and make sure you get your sleep and whatever but I mean really getting into how significant of an impact it can make you know and that's the that's the biggest thing I, I got it from from bodybuilding that's why I, I hammer it you will I don't know if you'll find Jim where you are hearing about food things as much as when you're in here man because yeah, maybe I Gary Roberts so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Places. really dialed in. He's, he takes that very, very seriously. And because it, it's important, man, it can make yeah. such well, a difference. Well, okay, so yeah, Gary Roberts, who played the animal, he, like so. Uh, one of the the guys that I uh, studied for a long time, his name is Charles Poliquin, who was a bodybuilder and not a bodybuilder. I'm sorry, a strength coach, one of the best in the world. When Gary Roberts broke his neck, that's where he went to for and 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 Charles basically fixed him. 
with his team. Oh, he did it with Charles Paul. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so he got most of his principles from Charles Poliquin, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the things was the eating, and and so Gary Roberts was probably, and I don't know Gary Roberts, I like so I'm, I I might be speaking a little bit out of turn, but I played against him for maybe one year, only a couple times because he's in the other division, tough as nails. He smashed someone's nose in right in front of our bench one day, great, but uh, just a great hockey player. But he did it on talent and toughness, his first his first go around, right? And then when he we rehabbed himself, it was like a whole new commitment to fitness and nutrition and look what happened. He played, I think the, his second half of his career after he wasn't supposed to ever play again in rehab. I think, I think he might've even played longer than his first half and he played more effectively and he's taken that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's maybe we'll talk about that one. He, he's, he's taken that and created a, an incredible business where NHL players go there and he just looks at the diet and the, in the, in the weightlifting protocols and stuff. And he's another one. I just uh, listened to him the other day talking about, uh, you know, with his, his students, it goes, take the time off. You're going to get faster. Remember we talked about this? You're going to get faster and better in the gym, not on the ice. It's a real hard principle. So anyways, that's, a, that's another thing. The thing is, is that as we get, as we grow and, and, and 10 years from now, uh, science and everything is going to be a little bit better, a little bit more dialed in, I would assume. So that's why you didn't hear it before because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't um, as, as it was relevant, but it wasn't as relevant or as important. But now that people are getting better and, science is out there and there's more people doing it and looking into it and social media and people selling it and all these different things. Now it's becoming, you're more aware of it. And the people that choose to dismiss the nutrition, sleep, and, and the importance of working out are going to be left behind. And the people that, uh, that, that focus and, um, and take that to heart and um, are serious about that side of the game, they're going to benefit from it. And that's period. I, and I think me and Dalton were talking with me and Dalton probably were talking about this the other day. We think that coaches are going to be on the same board pretty soon. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. because I don't, I don't know if the players now, like it's all, beca- it's all about being relatable, right? Uh, Brendan Moore was talking about that the other day. He goes, I don't, I don't talk, I don't talk to my team as if I'm their coach. He goes, I, I talk to them. Like I put, I always go back to this. I, I still feel like I'm a player, even though I'm a coach. And I talk to them like, what would I want to hear at this point? And I think you get a heck of a lot more respect. I don't think so. I actually know this. You get a lot more respect when someone actually, when they walk in and if they gain five pounds, the suit buttons aren't popping off, right? Or if you lose five pounds, it's like everyone can determine your weight based on your suit or your chin. So I think it's really important that guys see their coaches in good shape. I really do. I think it's huge. I think it's huge. And I think that's going to be a trend that you're going to see happening. You're going to see guys that are taking care of themselves a lot yeah. more. But why not? You're on the, you're on the best food every day. And it's so fu- it's funny. It's easier for the coaches. We, we were just saying this yesterday. So we're doing the, we're doing the Tabatas yesterday with the, the runs and yeah. they are brutal, man. Yeah, so if anyone, if anyone doesn't know what a Tabata is, it's a interval style of training where you do 20 seconds on 10 seconds off for eight sets. And, and the, the, ten, the 20 seconds on is on. That's on. It's not like a casual on. Yeah. It's so like there's, you're, you're trying to hit a hundred. So, so the original, I think this is right. So the original, it's like the, I think the person who, who not coined, there was two people that coined it, but anyways, they're from Japan and that's the last name Tabata. Yeah. There was another guy too that he, I think he's supposed to get more credit for it, but he, and he doesn't, but whatever. 20 on 10 off doing whatever you want. So we, when we're doing it for like super high intensity cardio purposes we invert it and do 10 20 which is just another variation of the same thing so eight sets of 10 on 20 off it's the worst ever so we're in the phase now where we're doing two so they do one round of it take a rest for like four or five minutes and then do another round of it it is brutal man it is absolutely brutal and for me as the trainer if i've never done it 
myself. Exactly. Exactly. If I've never done it, exactly. I don't I can't say, appreciate it. Yeah. And I say to them all after every time they finish it, I always tell them like, like nice work boys. That's a grind. I am under no illusions about how difficult that is. I know how hard that is to do, you know? And it's, if you, you know, your trainer or your coach or whoever hasn't done the thing they're telling you to do. I talk about this all the time. It's like, you do it. It's like, stop telling me what to do. Like my, I remember one of my coaches always, he was always talk about make sure you're eating well and sleeping well and whatever. And I would be like, I do. You don't. Like, stop telling me how committed I need to be with what I'm doing. You don't do it, you know? And it's really well, hard. Your, your words only go so far. That's right. You know, that's, you know? that's we use that, that all the time. I use that all the time. Talk is cheap. Talk is so cheap. You show me what you're doing and I believe you, but I've got to listen to your words all day. Like, whatever. You know, it's like I, I say that with on the ice, the chirping, the, the I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, like, I had a couple guys tell me, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight this guy the next day. I go, well, like, that's just stupid talk. How do you know you're going to fight him? What if he doesn't want to fight? Yep. What if you chicken out? What mm. if you never get on the ice? What if you're scratched? You don't just stop yeah, talking and just go do it. Yeah. I'll call you after and I'll say that's a good fight yeah. or good hit, you know? And it, it's the same. Just just be quiet. Just perform. I know. And that's it goes to the same thing with the nutrition too. Like if the guys come in here and they see I don't have my shit dialed in and I'm coming in with a Wendy's bag or whatever, it's like they're going to be like. Well, funny you, you say know? that. Eh? So last night. One of the one of the guys that started working here, uh, the big boy, okay, uh, he was sitting there, and the boys were um, everyone ha- was eating, and there was a lot of veggies, a lot of meat, and everyone like just everything looks healthy. I was eating mine, good and healthy, and uh, I said, guys, it's so impressive. I said, it's uh, this is the power tech way, man. Everyone eats healthy, and then the big boy goes, I gotta stop stopping at the shawarma place in this place. He goes, this is getting embarrassing. Yeah, right for sure. Yeah, and what. And and we talked about that with the environment stuff before, but that's why. It's so, and, but people don't think like back to my point. Like people don't think about how important it is, and that was like part of the thing I I took from following in bodybuilders. Like I said, is you think talk about your training and how specific you need to be about your training. Like we talk about this all the time for younger guys. Mixed training stuff's fine, but as the older you get, the more specific it needs to be. You need to be able to track things and measure it and test it to gauge your improvement. But that's never talked about with nutrition in the in, in sport from my experience at least i'm sure some trainers do more than others but i'm talking about the specifics like how much do i need to eat you yeah know? like eating healthy what is amounts like, do i need to eat so eat, eat healthy and eat right that's the equivalent of saying work hard yeah right exactly yeah, it means nothing yeah. so what, it's like if what, I'm, what do you mean by that if i'm in a if i'm in a a gym setting and i'm saying okay we're gonna we're gonna make sure that your high intensity work is going through the roof this summer but I never measure your VO2 max or I never measure your watt output or any of that or never time you on a run. How am I supposed to know if you improve? You know, you're just going for a bike ride. And like, so eating, eating clean is just going for a bike ride, man. You're not actually testing anything because it's not specific enough. And that's something that people don't, don't really talk about. So it's important, man, but it's impressive to watch these guys, man. They got their books, writing stuff out. They're sending me their meal plan stuff to, to adjust. And it's just, it's, it's awesome, man. It's, it's good stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. So there you go. That's your start? That's my start. That was a quick minute. It's good. Um, okay, I'm going to say this one. I'm going to try to keep this one very quickly. On uh, I was barbecuing on Sunday. And, uh, what I threw were you barbecuing? Chicken. Just, just chicken? chicken and uh, peppers. Peppers on the barbecue is good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I do? Just side note, <laughs> the peppers. Peppers, every Sunday I make them. Yeah. I cook them until the skin is burnt. Yeah, yeah. So that I can peel the skin off. Oh, I like the skin. Because I don't like the skin. Why? It doesn't digest nice. It's not very digestible, oh. the skin. So I cook it until... Do you chew? Yeah. 
Do I chew? Yeah, I chew. Fair question. Well, it's like eating a piece of paper. It's like this thin layer of plastic that you're eating. You never eat paper? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, go ahead. You're barbecuing. So I I threw on a podcast. I was uh, going through a saw podcast, and it was the head coach for the Saginaw Spirit, Chris Lazari. And um, so I saw, listen to this one. So uh, I think the podcast name was Off the Glass and Out, I think. Um, Yeah. So there's there's my reference point there, guys. So if you want to listen to it, that's that's what's called Off the Glass and Out with Chris Lazari, who was the guest. And Chris is the head coach of the Saginaw Spirit. The reason I probably listen to it is because I have a pretty good connection with the Saginaw Spirit. I have a couple of the players playing there, and I'm really good friends with the assistant GM, and I met the, uh, the, the general manager and you know sent a couple of players there, and I'm very interested in them. And they have a different style of playing, right? So uh, they were talking about, uh, Chris was talking about, uh, you know, the guy was asking questions about, you know, where your start was and stuff. So most people... He didn't have, he didn't, he wasn't a high end hockey player. Played a little bit of junior B, nothing crazy, or tier two, nothing crazy. And then he wanted to get into coaching. So he got into coaching and he was broke, as, like broke, broke. So he didn't get to move up the ladder real, real quick. But what this guy did was uh, he lived in Toronto, I think. He was coaching the, got to the point where he was coaching the Toronto Marlies, minor hockey. And he got an assistant coach or a coaching job with, uh, doing video for the Guelph Junior B or Guelph Storm or something like that. And then he just kept working his way up to the point where he got, uh, and, but he said this was all because of connections. He goes, I would just, I dedicated, I said, I want to be a hockey coach. And he dedicated his, like, everything, video and taking buses. Like, broke. I mean, this guy was broke. And just traveling around coaching hockey teams and stuff. So finally he got a job with the, uh, was it Kitchener, Listowel? I forget what team it was in Junior B. And they ended up winning the Ontario uh, Junior B thing. And, uh and then he got fired. They did. They were going the right, different direction. He took it with uh, the youngest team in the league and all that stuff. So, anyways, he he said because of my connections, I I met everybody. Relationships will always get you. You know, at some point, it'll get you somewhere. And uh, the one guy that was um, the general manager for Sarnia at the time, Sarnia Sting, said if I ever get a a, a, a job as a GM or something, he was I'm bringing you on board because I love your work ethic and stuff, like your ideas. He got on with. Uh, Got on with them as an assistant coach, and then he just built his way up to being a head coach. So, anyways, that was a long story. To, to I probably didn't need to get all these details, but my point of this is that he was like he he most guys would have quit hundred percent. Most guys would have quit. He, uh, um, but this guy studied the game. But here's where it got interesting for me because they play a, a very good puck possession game in Sarnia or uh, I'm sorry in Saginaw, and uh, to the point where it's like I don't know if it's I don't I, I sometimes I question whether it's the right thing to do or stuff like do you ever dump it in so he explained his philosophy and how he trains the kids and how he treats the kids and stuff like that so what I liked about it is uh, uh, you know how I like to do a lot of small area games and things that are kind of outside the box where where you know if you if you weren't really a hockey well even hockey people might look and say ah come on that's a, that's a little bit goofy well, this guy does a lot of this stuff and it's called rondo games so he has uh, his skill possession. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, really good. So it's like a lot of, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen my uh, two-in, two-out game and stuff like that where you you have to make plays really quick and stuff. So then he adds that and going into, you know, entries and stuff like that and how it works into a game. And he goes, I don't, like, I, I'm saying this probably wrong, but he doesn't spend as much time as you would think a normal coach would on systems. They're there, but he lets them be, be creative. And because of these Rondo games or these small area games, the kids kind of get it. So now he's not always... You know, there's there's times and stuff where he might give someone shit for making a, a bad play, but not typically, you know. But anyways, people got to listen to the podcast. I think it's very interesting. And people that uh, 
people that are uh, in coaching, you should probably give this a listen because it's actually very, very beneficial. And I think it's uh, things that people, sh- coaches should be doing. And I think that this guy has got a really good brain. And then the other side point is that <laughs> I was thinking about this. And they go, is how many people tell me that they can coach in the OHL or stuff like that? And then you listen to this guy talk for <laughs> the 35 minutes that yeah. he was talking. And it's like, this guy's dialed in. Like yeah. you did, no one puts that kind of time in like your average guy. So when you think, you know, you don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, was great though. It was great. Just two, my two cents on that, the, the puck possession thing, which is cool. Um, not that there's no negatives to it, but the benefit of it, we did an episode last two weeks ago about uh, hockey IQ, improving hockey IQ. And when a coach gives you the freedom to make plays, I think that's so, that's huge, man, where you're allowed to actually think about what to, and you're allowed to make a mistake. You're allowed to make the wrong play instead of just throw it in because you didn't know what to do. And I had a, one of my coaches, uh, when I was younger, Billy, Bill Bowler was awesome at that. He would always say that he would set up in practice. He would set up the drill. And then he would say, this is basically the routes I want you to run, but you have to make a play. Like, and then somebody would ask, well, what if, what if this thing happens, whatever? He just goes, you got to make a play. Like, you don't have to do exactly this, what I'm saying. Like, these are just the paths that I'm laying out, but you have to make, be able to make a play. You know, and one of, he was the first guy that, that taught, because I never had a coach when I was young, but he was the first guy that ever taught me that tripod pass. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah. yeah, I was like yeah. 16 yeah. when I learned this. Yeah. He's like, you cross the blue line, you two-on-one the guy. And it's real easy to make a play through his feet or through his stick or behind him or whatever to, to get that guy that's cut slashing through. He was one of the first guys that ever taught me making that play as you enter the zone. And he was great for that because he lets you think about what are my options now? And you actually have to make a choice. And that's, that's hockey IQ training, right? So it's just another thing for maybe more for coaches, for players too, but for coaches, when you're in positions where you have to make a decision, it's, it's important to one, let your players do that. And then as the player, you're asking the question of, okay, which play should I make? Given, given the options I have, like if I'm crossing the blue line with speed going into the zone, what could I do? You know, instead of thinking a lot of teams are like, you know, if, if you see three jerseys, dump it in and we'll go get it or whatever. And that's like, I like that the freedom that being able to make plays and playing puck possession, it gives yeah. players, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was good. So just to touch on that one more, one more time. He was uh, saying that they they typically don't like to dump in, but of course there's times where you do. But but this is where it's where it's intelligent, right? He goes, I I, I want them dumping it into where we are going to be, not too deep, like th- so we can get possession. So we know that if there's going to be a chip or you're going to lay it in there, it's going to be somewhere in the dot lane so that you mm-hmm. can you can get shots on net or make plays, not just chasing it on the wall and stuff. So interesting. Uh, the other side I wanted to say about that was. Uh, that changes people's view of what skill development is, right? So a lot of people, parents and coaches and players, it's like pylons and the fancy toys don't necessarily mean skill. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Are they usable? Yes. But that this this is a lot more applicable. Just because you don't have all the toys and it's not an exact movement, you know, the four on twos and the in the rondo games that he likes to play and stuff, it's actually more beneficial. What is skill? Skill is decision making. Skill is making plays quickly. Skill is uh, thinking the game and um, all that kind of stuff, creating two on ones, and you're—it's just—it's a—it's a different version of it, which I like, and I—I I do a lot more. Eric Wellwood was the same thing, right? He spent a lot of time studying soccer, you know, because there's a lot of plays that are made, but basketball, looking at a basketball game, seeing picks and rolls and how things are formed. So interesting, yeah, very interesting. I really enjoyed it. I think anyone should listen to it. I know Brian, uh, they're 
AGM is going to be listening to this because he listens to all our podcasts. And I, I texted him. I said, I listened to uh, Lazary on the podcast. I thought it was very good. He goes, oh, I'm going to be listening to it today. Yeah, that's awesome, so, man. So that was my first thing. Yeah. Do you want to do another? Because you're setting that up good for your, your topic. Yeah, here, we got but... one more. Okay. Um, that's that. So last night I was watching uh, Flint Firebirds game six against the Windsor Spitfires. I'm going to try to be quick on this. Um, so there's a kid on uh, Flint Firebirds named Ethan Hay, same age as Charlie. So he's in 05 um, and deep in the playoffs. So even in the beginning of the year, I, I watched him play and I said, that kid can play hockey. He wasn't getting tons of points, right? But he was on the ice a lot. But what he was doing was he was on the defensive side. He was like a little bit rough. Not not overly rough, but like he, he'd grind it. And he was good at face-offs. So I remember him playing in youth hockey. And I said, that's like a couple teams asked who's good in this area. And I said, that kid from Waterloo, good player. Wins face-offs and plays the way he plays right now. Earlier in the season, a couple, it's amazing how many NHL scouts I talked to this year. That I that I know, they would ask me questions and who's a player. I said that's that's a kid there. So the the one, um, he texted, he was calling me because he was calling me about a few players and he said, hey that Ethan Hay kid you talked about, was he can play? I go I know, I know, he's good. So anyways, my point is, he's on the ice. Uh, he's playing every second shift right now, pretty much second really? third shifts. Yeah, every penalty kill and defensive zone draw. As a rookie. As a rookie, Sick, so he's getting he's this kid's probably playing eighteen to twenty minutes right now for sure. Really, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, you know, he got a couple of tussles this year, a few points, but he's not not producing the goals and all that stuff, right? So my my point of this is that everybody, when they're playing, is they're measuring goals and assists and and all the fancy plays, right? And this kid went out there, reminded me a lot of Chris Draper when Chris told me that when he went to the World Juniors, it was like shut down first and created an eighteen year career in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And this this kid reminds me of that a lot. So at 18 years or 16 years old, he was up against Wyatt Johnson for the last couple of games. He's on him like white on rice. Were you the one the other the other day that said you don't understand that statement? Or was it Charlie? Nope, not me. Okay. Although so, I don't understand that. Well, white on, you're that tight, right? Like oh, okay. you're, you're, you're tighter than a second. Oh, okay, I got you. You're, tech, you're, you're tighter than a second coat of paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So he he and and he's annoying Johnson and these other guys. He just he's boxing now and he gives a little tap and then he, and he takes his defensive responsibility all the all like very very seriously. So my point, guys, like when you're playing the game, you don't have to score goals. This guy is 16 years old and he's getting tons and tons of experience. He's getting people. He's on the ice all the time. Every time you see a shift, he's on the ice. He's, I've been watching this for a couple months. Yeah. And and it's not because he got 38 goals as a rookie. It's because he's on the ice and you can't score against him. Or if you do, it's going to be a pain in your ass. And winning the face face-offs and stuff. And it's like very very impressed with this young guy. And uh, if he does nothing else and just plays that way, he's got a chance to play in the NHL yeah. because he does that so well. No one wants to do it. People look at it as like like people look at being oh I got to play the shutdown role like especially as young and you don't have people with the right support. They look at it like it's a negative. Like I'm better than that. It's like well. Do you want to make money or do you want to just be better than that? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. You teed this up perfectly. So I'm going to take the, what you said, kind of in the midst of talking about that is the scout, the scout calls you and he mm-hmm. goes, hey, this kid that you talked about or that you told me about, he can play. Yeah. Coming from the scout. Yeah. Okay. So the scout isn't saying. And, and plays his, their, their teams, attractive to their team. This is, this is what I'm talking about. So okay. re- really the last 15 minutes we've been talking about how whether from we were talking about the podcast with with Laz how he's how his his coaching style and his team's philosophy and what they look for now you're talking about another scout and what he looks for and it's interesting to to understand the outline of what they are actually looking for because people always 
put these bullshit comments on videos we post how like it's all about who you know and the scouts are all dumb and they don't even know what they're doing and all this kind of stuff and then you actually talk to one and you see the kind of process that they go through when they're evaluating who these kids are and that's how they find this this hey kid and they say hey this guy actually can do can do some stuff he might be a useful player that could end up being a pro one day and they have a way to categorize these guys you know they're not just they're not just going with blind into the game being like oh he looks good maybe we'll look at him you know it's a process there's a system to it and it's interesting to see and get examples from somebody like you who talks to these guys because that is what they say they do that's their job it's not so this perception of you know the scouts that are trying to find kids are just looking for the most skilled person or who can skate the best or whatever it's like not there's there's way more to it than that you know and that's kind of, i know that you're going to kind of tee up on on that for for the for the episode today is just like what the way that scouts are actually looking for for players and the process that they go through and how important it how important it is to understand that there's so many elements of things that they're looking for it's not one thing or one set of things it's a ton of stuff right so, so so speaking of that we have um the, the the NHL draft combine is this week, yep. and uh, I was talking to a couple of the parents on uh, Charlie's yep. team that is uh, they're going to be there, and they said it's it's freaking awesome. But I got a question for you. Okay, fire What's away. more important at the draft combine? So this is my thoughts on the draft combine. It's a chance for uh, teams to see and and have a whole bunch of interviews and stuff, and get to meet the kids and stuff like that. I think the rest of it's just a bunch of marketing and a bunch of crap. I mean, you know, that's what I think. Yep. Um, but here's my question. What's more important at the draft combine, the fitness testing or the interview? Interview. Why? Because you actually see the type of person. Okay. Here's, I'll give you a, a counter example. Yeah. Remember Sam Bennett? Yeah. How many pull-ups did he do at the combine? Zero or one? Zero. Yeah. Did zero pull-ups. Yeah. He went fourth overall. Yeah, and he plays hockey. So, so if that's if that's the there's there's one example of how much the fitness test matters. You know, if you're at the combine, you're getting drafted, and now it's going to be, you know, your your fitness metrics might give somebody a wow, but they're judging you based on how you play hockey, man. It's not about your VO two max. It's how do you how do you play hockey? You know, and that then that interview process is, we've talked about the interview stuff all the time. It gives them a chance to see if you're the personality type that would match their team. If you actually have a brain, if you might be coachable, if you're arrogant, if you're all these different factors, that is where they get to really see what the type of person is that you are. And I think you're bang on with how you how you said that. It's it's a nice marketing thing and it looks cool and you can get some good articles and social media posts and stories about what happened at the Combine. But for the NHL teams, uh, it shouldn't be a secret that they're there to talk to the kids to see who's who's actually got it and who doesn't you know yeah yeah so it's funny because i i uh, I, i've always thought that i'm like so if you got a kid going to the combine right now that has been off they didn't make the playoffs and they're doing the fitness testing and they haven't made the playoffs and then for the last month month and a half they've been able to work out and get recovered and stuff and and maybe train for the combine itself yeah and that kid's gonna have good fitness results if you got someone that just maybe they packed up their bags three days ago because their season just ended and they're banged up and they're tired and they're out of not out of shape but like the beat up out of shape or what i mean by um the hockey out of shape yeah you're just beat up and you're 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 tired your body's had it and you're not peak form then you can't perform really good on the on all those tests and then uh so 
and then the interviews are actually somewhat important because teams get to know them. So I agree a hundred percent, but one of the things with the kids, we have a couple going away for uh, OHL uh, main camp or mini camps right now. And it's just funny. The poor kids like Charlie did it too last year and see bass when they went, they're like, Oh my God, this is the biggest thing ever. It's fitness testing. We, then we got a couple practices and we're only one game. And, you know, I try to explain to them like, cause I never want to minimize, never minimize going in there out of shape. Like you want to be in good is the first impressions huge. Yeah. You wanted every time you do something, you want them to like you. But the, the bottom line is, you got to be good at hockey. But it's just a, it's just an orientation camp. It's just to get you there, to see you, to introduce you to the team, and and so even the NHL combine, you get your test scores. It's like yeah, maybe it's something like oh, this kid's in actually pretty good shape. Oh, he's 145 pound and he can rip, you know, uh, his body weight 20 times on the bench press or squat, whatever. Okay, that's impressive. Like yeah, there's some of that. Um, and, or, or you could take a kid that, Oh, I thought he would be in a lot better shape, but you can figure that out yeah. right? by, by the interview. Right. But when you go to these, uh, combines or fitness testing and all that stuff, like don't make it the end of the world guys, because there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot that you can improve and all they're looking at is where you are and then where they can take you mm-hmm. if they even use the information. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So anyways, I, I came across the other day. So I, I said that because I came across this scouting thing. I uh, was on Twitter the other day and I said, oh, this looks interesting. And uh, so it's the first reference I use in Twitter in probably forever. Um, so there's this guy that did a, uh, he scouts for a, a scouting service, which, which, which means, I forget the name of this one, but it, it, which means like sometimes scouts, like there's a couple that they use as uh, reference points, like just to maybe compare notes. So there's serv- scouting services that do that. There's only a couple. And uh, within those that have scouts that go and look at games just like a regular scout. So that's what this guy is. And uh, the, the system that this guy used is very similar. Not every team does it the exact same way, right? But there's a whole bunch of things that they look for and then they break it down into finer details, right? In, in a scouting. So when you look at a game, that's what you're looking at players. Blah, blah, blah. So they just try to connect the dots with uh, how good a player is. Um, NHL teams use similar ones. Okay. The stuff that I'm going to talk about here is pure hockey. So they're looking at the pure hockey skill. It has nothing to do with like, This is one part of the scouting. Yeah. It's how this kid plays hockey. What does he do well and decision making and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't take into... Uh, uh, well, first of all, if all that stuff is good, then then you're worth looking at at selecting you as a player. If you have a terrible hockey scouting review, then you're not going to get yeah. you're not going to get drafted anyways. Yeah. But from there, that's so that's the first part. So that this doesn't include stuff like psychological. You know, when they sit down and do psychological tests or to see what type of person you are, the interviews, uh, character checks, and all that kind of stuff. So this is just one frame. So everything we're doing here is about: Are you a good I hockey player? Hockey. Can you actually play hockey? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's what this is all about. I think. Do I have a note here? Uh, oh, and I, yeah, so I think this this here is actually good for, you know, when we talk about scouting, I think a lot of times the parents and coaches and, and, and players might not even think it's for them, but it actually is because when you're looking at, when you're looking at wanting to move on in hockey, it probably is a good idea to know what they're looking for so that, uh, so that like if you see gaps in your game, weaknesses in your game, you can work on it. And the other thing is you can look at when you are doing your skill development, are you working on any of these things, right? So like if, if uh, and I can kind of go through kind of that, maybe I'll just do that. I'll go through 
I'll go through that maybe as we're as we're doing this. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but do you do can you put this in your training? So, like, like it might. It's one thing to say I'm a good skater, but what does that mean? And because there's different areas and stuff. We were going to say no, something. I just want to put an exclamation point on what you said to make sure everyone heard it. So, you're going to go through how this guy scouts players. Yeah. And which very, is similar to very similar to OHL scouts. Very similar yeah. to what NHL scouts look for. It's the yeah. same process they might weight things differently depending on what their team needs and all that yeah but this can be what they look for so the reason this is important is one because now you'll understand some of the different elements that they're they're checking it's not just goals and assists right so if you're a kid who plays on a triple a team or whatever or you're playing junior and you're not the top scorer on your team or you're not the best player on your team then maybe you can start to understand that there's another role you could take that there is equally valuable you know it's not as sexy but it's equally valuable and people are looking for that that's one thing and then the other part that you you kind of breeze, or breeze by it quick is when you're paying for people to train you on the ice specifically you'll be able to to gauge now you'll have a frame for saying is this guy actually teaching me anything that is useful on the ice or anything that someone would find valuable in the game so if you have like you said, a bunch of toys on the ice and you're just working on stick handling drills through and tight turns and all that kind of stuff. Is that one of the things that you said that they're looking for? If it is, and it might be, then great. Is that the only thing you're working on when you train with this guy? Because then maybe that's not so good because there's a whole slew of crap that you're about to go through that, that they're looking for. So if this skills trainer isn't teaching you something that's actually game applicable or that you can use in a game situation, like my favorite example is taking pucks off the wall as a winger, getting a puck out of your zone as a winger, if, if you're a winger, or how to get across the line as a defenseman when you pick the puck up off the, the auto up, off the offensive zone, whatever. Things like that, where it's, that is something you actually need to be able to do in a game that they actually will look for. If your skills coach never trains you on any of that or never teaches anything like that, then that's a good that's a good way to evaluate the quality of the of the trainer and that's we've talked we've done episodes on that in the past too where we're talking about how do you do this and this is going to give you a frame like this is what the scouts are actually looking for some version of this you know so this is a good way to gauge your, your quality with whoever's giving you a training program for on ice stuff you know yeah well it's funny we had one of the kids um the other day he was saying my, dad, my coach wants me to be a little bit faster or a better skater and everything he does there's nothing silky about him okay but it's very very hard work so again so i could so he could look at the skill sessions and, and, and say, well, I'm way off here. But I, but I pulled him aside. I said, dude, you don't have to play like that because you're such a hardworking kid. And you, like, you come from, like that way I use the term, you, you come from some well water, you drink well water, you wear mm-hmm. rubber boots and you wear work boots when you're not here. You're, you're, that's the kind of guy you are. You're a muck and grind ham and agar. Right. And that's not an insult. So I took him, I said, like, so when you're making plays like this, so I was showing like some shooting stuff. So you don't have to have the perfect shot. Like a lot of people get confused that when you're shooting pucks, like it has to be like the perfect shot bar down and stuff. Well, you know how a lot of goals are, especially for a kid like that. It's like, it's on your stick and off. And it doesn't matter how it comes off. So I'm teaching him how to just get hammer pucks to the net, no matter how, how they get there. It doesn't have to be like, the, they don't have to look like Kale McCarr shot last night. That's, that's not you. Hammer, 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 right? So he got pretty excited. He goes, oh, I can train. Yeah, I could take you now. Take your abilities and I could train within that. You know, no, Not everyone's going to be silky smooth. Can't be, right? So That's that, really important, man. That's yeah. I hope people freaking listen to that because that yeah. is so important. Yeah, tra- yeah you got to train with yeah. it. Don't within be something your... you're not, man. You yeah. don't have to be something you're not. Yeah, exactly. And that's You don't have to be something you're not. That's right. That's the thing, right? Yeah. 
people think you I have to be shoot like Matthews and skate like McDavid and one T like Ovet. It's like you don't have to do any of that. Like you can take what your strengths are and work within that. That's an awesome, awesome point. Yeah. So okay. So this guy, what's what's scouting? Definition of scouting is action is the action of gathering information about enemy forces or an area. But in this case, in hockey, it's about a player. It's just taking information on someone so that they can make decisions, right? Uh, scouting is very subjective, so everyone's got an opinion, right? So not everybody is going to agree on players. And, it, and then again, teams look at, they're going for what they look for that's going to fit their team. So when scouting a player, I look at eight different categories to separate each of the player's tools to give a visual and better understanding of what each player's strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, these are the eight categories I look for. Not me, this guy. <laughs> Skating, obviously. Shooting. Change the page here. Skating, shooting, passing, puck skills, hockey IQ, competitiveness, physicality, and then playing in transition. Okay, so I break them, I break each one of these down into subcategories to be more specific. Uh, what and then what makes them strong or weak in strong or weak in each of these? Yep. It's simple to say a player has a good shot, but what makes them have a good shot? Uh, this tells you specifically why it's good or not. So here's some of the subcategories. So so for each of the eight, I'm going to go through this. Let me just do skating first. This is great. Okay. Uh, this is perfect. Okay, so skating. Okay, you got what makes a good skater. So a lot of people do the eye test if he skates fast down the ice, right? But maybe his his. Uh, okay, let me just do this. Straight line speed. Okay. Your separation speed. Well, what the hell is separation speed? So it's funny. I was doing a camp clinic the other day and I was really working on when they make a move, the separation speed and a lot of kids weren't paying attention to it. And it's so funny, right? Until I said, listen, guys, this move is important now because this is, then you turn on the jets so that you can separate yourself from someone and, and that's how you make plays or else nothing's going to happen. Oh, okay. So any separation speed, there's no, there's no point getting a puck, chipping it by someone's hip and you can't get away from them. Right. So that's, that's kind of like changing gears actually. Okay, so that's going to be able, that's why we do a lot of drills where, you know, maybe an inside edge to three quick crossovers so that you learn how to go slow to fast, fast to slow. Yeah, and so Very just important. sorry to interrupt, but that's, and that's why McDavid is so effective as oh, a skater. There you go. He's, yeah. he's really fast on a straight line, yeah. fine, yeah. but he can make a move and he's up to top speed in one second and he's, yeah. he can turn it on in one second and yeah. he's five feet away from the guy. Yeah. That's what makes him so effective, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Your east-west skating, so that's your lateral movements, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very important to be able to have that. Four-way mobility. Uh, so I, let me go back to the east-west skating. So that'd be your lateral movements. That'd be penalty killing, right? Like, I mean, that's your short area game. That's making a move on someone and be able to, to drive 10 feet wide or 8 feet wide when you're making a move. Uh, very, very important to be lateral. Um, any direction change, really. Any direction change, yeah. Well, that's the next one is your four-way mobility, right? Being able to stop, back up, pivot. You know, having good hips and all that kind of stuff. Your foot speed—that would be—he's uh, uh, got foot 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 speed and first three steps. Like, what does that mean? I'm not really necessarily sh sure what the difference are, but obviously for him. But that's something. Your quick starts—I mean, you have to have them, or else you're, you you know you're going to lose those short area battles. Uh, Deception—that's that's that's great. Do you do you add any deception to your game, uh, which is a lot of people do not do. And edge work. And when you're doing edge work, it's kind of the slower, tedious stuff, right? So is there anything there that you wanted to take a look at? Well, I just want to say this, again, this is this guy's breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. So 
where where things things can be different depending on which scout you're asking because to me like i put separation speed first three strides quick starts that's kind of all in one kind of so the separation speed not necessarily but a lot of those kind of cross over i don't know if you can necessarily break them off into specific i I would agree with that but but you get the idea. Yeah. So it's like as a skater, just because yeah. I want to do go through all of them too, because they're all good. Yeah. But just keep in mind as a, as a skater, it's not just, do you skate fast? Like think about how many different things you just pointed out that this guy and, and, well, yeah, and, and these scouts actually do these things and they'll give you a grade. <laughs> like they'll write yeah. notes down about it. Yeah. They'll, you know, it's not just one thing skate yeah. in a straight line as fast as you can skate you know that's right so that's so right yeah so that's what I, I would look at as a player as coach as a trainer and all that stuff like what are you doing in training do you just skate like if you have two drills for skating or it's just like a lot of the times you see guys just getting bagged like skate hard well that's not you're not working on anything yeah. well think right? about the deception one that's where it's well, like i talk about that all the time it's not just going fast man no deception is like you go, go to your heels and you make guys bite on moves yeah. it's like where you're barely moving yeah you watch like uh, what's his t- Tampa Bay guy, Kucherov. Kucherov. Watch Kucherov pass yeah. the job on on Charlie's team. Yeah. These types of guys are yeah. Patrick Kane's really good at it. Yeah, where they can just little jukes. That that's all yeah. with their edge work and deception that they're adding into yeah. to their game. You know that has nothing yeah. to do with skating fast. Yeah, right? that's right. So. Yeah, so when you're doing this, like, this, like, ask yourself this, right? Like, how's my so? But it's really important. How's my straight line speed? That's yeah. straight up forecheck, backcheck. You know, get, getting up the ice. It's important. You have to have that. It can be worked in. Uh, it can be worked in the gym. It can be worked on the ice a little bit. Your separation speed. So that's like you know taking that, figuring out how I can go from long strides to the balls of my feet to add some quickness. Is it a crossover? Is it one crossover to add some cr- to quickness? Mm-hmm. Which it is. A lot of times off the balls of your feet, linear crossovers. Uh, so are you working those kind of things? Uh, your east-west skating. Can you go from one side to the other and 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 gain? Uh, an advantage or just do it quickly mm-hmm. or add deception while you're doing that right loading that's what i call loading and exploding right that's what i use on the ice is li- really understanding how to how to do something where yeah. when you're making a move or when you're getting somewhere is to really load on one leg like the spring and to bounce yeah. b- off Transfer to the, the other leg yeah. right yeah. and that's uh so, so part of that is in in working on that some of that's going to be your uh, deceleration speed so that's some sometimes we'll do a, what i call a 505 drill that i learned from a track and field uh actually uh gold bronze medal decathlete showed me how important uh, deceleration speed is as it was like 20 years ago and that's being able to go real fast and put the brakes on and explode back without your body you know your upper body giving it's got to come from your brakes being your hips hips and quads so that's important that's going to give you the uh, lateral movement four-way mobility forward backward sideways Mm -hmm. real important Foot speed, first three steps to me, that's all the same thing. But if any time that you want to get in a short instance game, how is your foot speed? How are your first three steps? That's 10, 15 feet of playing hockey. Those are battles. Those are the penalty kills. Yeah. yeah. The real important parts. Those are the short area four checks. Yeah. So a little, little re- repetitive on that, but I want people to remember what we said at the start. So if you're the kid, are you working on these things? If you're the parent, is your trainer helping your kid work on these things? Or is the kid asking the question? And so like, these are the types of things you need to pay attention to when you're listening to this today. It's like, and, and especially for the parents that you're spending money, you're spending money on the training. Is your guy hitting on any of these things? Does he even talk about any of these things? Is that even something that he says? Is he explaining why? You know, these are the questions. So yeah. Continue. The next one was shooting. 
So power. So you know what's funny about shooting is uh, people like we, we Charlie's played with a couple kids in youth hockey. That's pretty good shots. Hit the glass every time. Hard shots. They hit the glass every time. There's no no point to the shot, <laughs> right? I've seen that a million times. So shooting. Do you have power, or do you shoot muffins? Accuracy, like f- accuracy, like, and I I just said this two days ago, like, uh, or or last week to uh, a group of kids because it's like the slower time of training. And I said, like, this is, I explained, this is going to be a little bit slower because you guys are just finished hockey. You really shouldn't be on the ice right now, but we're going to work on, you know, movement and like not real bag skating, not real hard shooting and slow skill works and think about it. I said, so when you're shooting, the only thing I want you to do at the end of this drill for shooting, the only time I want you to go hard is when you're jumping into a shot. I want you to actually take that and shoot like you're shooting to score in a game and, and have a purpose. Pick one or two areas that you want to score every single time. But the bottom line is, let's hit the net for starters. Like, actually, and I know that sounds really like, yeah, well, no shit. Well, yeah, but no shit, no shit. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I can't tell you how many guys shoot pucks and they just hope it gets somewhere in the net. It's like there's no purpose to it. So, for starters, let's start hitting the net, mm-hmm. right? Um, release, right? Are you telegraphing your shot? Does it come off quick? That's what, you know, if you get a quick pass in the slot or in any area, can you get it off quick without winding up and telegraphing everything you do really really important because in games and I, I was working on that a lot with the kids in our shooting camps recently is like not the fancy stuff just getting it on and off your stick because a lot of people they, they have it and they have to stick handle or they have to do a big setup and it's like that's not how you're going to score goals yeah uh deception I, I talk about that all the time is like look one way do something else you know yeah, hide in the puck, that kind yeah of shit, hide in the puck your long range shot, can you shoot from the top of the circles or the blue line? Uh, your short range shot, can you put it upstairs? You know, can you pick little corners or find holes? One timers. Um, one of the things I would say for one timers is your short area one timer. So the thing with one timers is you want to be able to handle pucks that are coming at you really fast. A lot of time, one timers isn't, you know, the back scratcher. It's keeping the stick on the ice and actually dropping to a knee and just redirecting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff to do with that. Uh, Shot in motion, what that means is just can you move your feet and shoot at the same time? Hiding the puck within your stick handling. Really, really important because you never show shot. Um, Your hand-eye coordination and shot management. Hand-eye coordination, that would be, for me, what I would call proprioceptive work so that you do things where uh, pucks might be in the air and you have to bounce it down and shoot. Um, Odd angles. Right, so yep. your, your body awareness and shot management. Well, that's more of a. Are you shooting for rebounds? Are you shooting for high percentages? Yeah. So those right. are those are important because so all these things is like yeah you can have a good shot. But what does that actually mean? Right. Does it does it mean hard? Does it mean accurate? Is there any deception? And all these things add up to something. At the higher the higher the levels, the more each one of these is more important. It's it's just like training, man. As a you, you start general when you're a kid learning, and then as you get older and more experienced you get more specific and one of the things i wanted to point out about shooting is now within that you guys now have an idea of the breakdown of what some of these things are and one of the things i realized in junior i had one year where i scored a bunch of goals and a lot of the goals i scored were just from getting the puck quick like off quick like a lot of them a lot of the goals i scored just getting the puck off quick and that was i have one vividly i can still remember in in my head we were we were on a power play and i used to be the pocket guy because I had a touch that year for some reason where I could just get them off and score. So my, my coach just said, you can have all this area and you just float around and do whatever, just get open. 
And I remember I scored one goal. I was like by the hash marks and I was open for like a split second. I was open and the guy got it to me from down low, like one of those, uh, what you call honey hole. And I was more in the middle, like towards this, the, the slot, but he got it to me and I had no time and it was a weird pass. And I remember I was almost like falling over and I just kind of like whacked at it towards the net. And I remember the goalie just didn't have time to read it. And it went up and it like fluffed off his glove and went in. And I remember like, I can't believe I scored that. Like I literally just whacked it at the net. And I scored so many goals like that that year where I was just in, in a good spot and was, had no power on it at all. Not even accurate, but just my release was just a bang, bang. Like you were talking about the, the one guy you were, you were working with the other night, bang, bang, on and off. And so there's little elements like this that can make you really effective. So it doesn't have to be get it two stick handles and rip it as hard as you can, right? And, and like there's, there's a time and a place to use all these different characteristics that you're talking about, but pay attention to what the different things are because you can use all of them, you know? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you'll see in practice or in, in our skill sessions that if someone, we're doing a shooting drill, let's say, and someone doesn't get a, the pass where they want it, they send it back because, no, I want it here. It's like, that's the wrong answer. Yeah, you have to figure a, out how to get it such off. Such a good point, So man. I've been doing it on purpose to, to give bad passes, to, to collect those. Like, that's a skill, man. That's a skill to take bad passes, whether you're shooting or not. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's behind you, how do you how do you react? If it's in the air, do you, do you say, well, I can't get that one? Or do you know, no, no, lock it down, kick it with your skates? So anyways, with the shooting, there is a time and a place where you want to, like, I'm not saying don't do this. You have to do this. You got to sh- sh- do proper shooting. Like, learn where your str- where your strengths are, the different types of shots. If it's out in front of you, if you catch a puck behind you, if it's back, all these different things. But what I've been doing lately is uh, I was thinking the other day, because George told, he said, hey, when you, with Charlie, you can just have lots of shooting. Well, we could do, like, a lot of shooting. That mean, you know, we'll work on this shot all day. But what actually happens in a game? So you have to think about that as a trainer, right? So I was thinking for the kids, I, said, I was thinking the other day, well, I need something different. So I said, you know what? Let's take it off a of face-off. So I set up, we did it for about an hour. The kids loved it. So I did different face-offs in there. So let's just say it was offensive zone face. Obviously, offense. you're not shooting for your own end. <laughs> and we'd be one spot on the dot or higher or whatever. And, I, and so the, the guys at first, because they're so used to doing, they want everything to be perfect. perfect the first guys yeah. that were pretending to do the face-offs, they would try to put it on the tape perfect. I said, no, no. When you're in a game, do you get a pass off a face-off where all, any time in a game where it's perfect every time you shoot? I said, I want you to do a face-off hard. And if it's in his feet, I want him to react. If it's outside, I want him to get to it and get it off quick. That's the point of this drill mm-hmm. and, or find space, but I want it off quick. So they absolutely loved it. And what they, they would ask, like, how should I shoot from here? How should I shoot from there? I said, just shoot. I want you, you to figure out that I, I, no one needs to tell me, just shoot. Yeah. Get it on, off, inside foot, outside foot. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I want it on your stick and off your stick and the element of surprise. And they loved it. Yep. So I've been doing a ton of that lately. Because that's really... Dude, this is so important, man. This is freaking money gold right now. Because these guys... Like, practice is not a game. Okay? And you need to you need to try to make your practice like a game. And this was something I remember... Just an analogy I was thinking about while you were doing this is... Think of... If you think of practice like school, like that's your learning time. Most of the time, if any kid that's in school, anytime you have to, a question on a test, it's like a perfect situation. It's like, Jenny has three apples and... 
Brian has four apples, and then if you add them, how many? It's like perfect. It's like no, because in real life, sometimes you'll have app, half an apple. The bird took a bite out of that one. Yeah. Now, how many apples do you Jenny have? Jenny thought she had three apples, yeah. but Bert yeah, the, ate one. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, seriously, that's that's. I didn't tell her. Yeah, that's right, and that's the analogy. So you 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 know you drop the puck off a face off, and a guy like fluffs it back to him at negative four miles an hour. So he's got the perfect amount of time to crack crack it right in his feet. It's like that's not how the game is going to be, man. You know, so it's it's so important that you guys start to think of that. If you're a skills coach, if you're a trainer, whatever, make it a game. Make it a game. If you're practicing, make it like a game. And that's that's an important thing that you're starting to bake into the kids' heads. It's it's important. Yeah. So the next section is passing. So when people think of passing, what do they think? You know, the the hockey books tell you to line up across from each other and you know, cradle and all this stuff. Well that, that like you said, that's not game. It's not the game at all. But what is passing? Okay. Power. Is it hard? Michael Bushinger that plays with Charlie, oh, he yeah. rips pucks at Good you. Passer, man. When it comes yeah. across the ice, you better be ready because it's coming hard, hard, hard. Hard as most guys shoot, yeah. right? Sometimes that's not good, but that's how it's coming across. So you have to deal with that. Accuracy, right? Like if you are doing the passing, it's better to be accurate. Put it where you need to go. But so you got to work on that. I'd say that to the kids all the time. Like when you're when we're doing drills, maybe it's a one-touch drill or it's whatever. I said, you have to know who you're with. So you can't sit there in a game and go have the puck and say, okay, he's a left-hand shot. You know, you have to know that going in. So you could be, you got to be able to recognize, is he on a one-time side? One time, is he on a two-touch side? Does he have to handle it? So you have to put the puck with the appropriate weight in the appropriate place so that he doesn't have to work hard for it, right? So that's what makes you a good passer. Being a good passer makes a lot of people look good. And it's so subtle sometimes. Like the difference between if you're on, if, if you're a right-hand shot given a one time and I put it in front of you, well, the, the, the opportunity for getting that one time is off. But I've got to just put it in your, in your feet the way it's supposed to be. Your job, I don't look like I did anything, yeah. but your job is easy now. Mm-hmm. So good passers have good results when, when they move the puck to people because people can handle it. Well, yeah, and this is the other side of what we're saying with your, in the game, nothing's ever perfect. When you're the passer, you're trying to make it perfect. That's right. That's your job. Your job That's is right. to make it ideal. Yep. That's what you're trying to do. So for they sure. don't have to make an adjustment or for whatever sure. and figure out how to get the shot off. You yeah. put it perfect for them, perfect. Yeah. Now I can just crack it. You know? Yeah. So when you're when you're moving pucks, like in a practice, like Eric Wellwood and I used to say it all the time, if you make a bad pass, that's a problem. That's actually a problem. You need to make sure it's on someone's tape or bounce off an angle yeah, off the, right the wall. Yeah. That's that's It's actually important. Like there's... Uh, that's critical uh, okay so passing through traffic right because in most times we do three on oh like teams i see go three on o's or you know no purpose but like you got to learn so this is where passing through traffic this is where the good four on two three on threes cross ice games little small area games are really good and making sure your passes work so when you're making plays i ask yourself was that good or could it have been better like i mean it's important uh patience anticipation creativity and long range so um I don't need to go too much into that, yeah, but those sense. are those are yeah. different things, right? Are you just making the obvious player? Can you see something, add deception, and make something else? Uh, so passing is huge. And one thing I would add to that, it's in there, creativity maybe, is uh, work on angles, like bank passes and stuff, board passes, rims, like proper rims, puck placement when you're when you're doing like coming in on a, a two-on-one, right? You kick it wide. Can you kick it behind the D so that it's in a perf- perfect place where someone can go? Yeah. This is like, this is where people start saying, oh, the guy gets hockey. Well, I think he's this- got nice, soft hands. Oh, he's got hard passes. He's got accurate. You know, right, he like- sees a guy going, he sees a guy going to the net and he's smart enough to put it in his feet so he can one time. Or the opposite, he sees a guy going to the net on his forehand. He doesn't put it in his skates. He puts it on the tape. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- 
I think that's the good point to end on with that one too, because even with uh, we were talking about Saginaw being a, a puck possession team, if you dump the puck to an area where a guy's going, that's now a pass, you know. And this is why you use use the rink as another way to make make passes, right? It doesn't have to be a direct tape to tape all the time. Like sometimes you might want to bank it behind him, you know, go behind him so that it ends up in front of him. Because if you go in front of him, there's a guy there. You know, so there's like different ways where you can use the rink to be to be something else to pass off. So that's important yeah. too. Well, that's you know, play pool, guys. Yeah, play pool. Yeah. Play pool. Learn angles. I, it'd be amazing when I do a lot of the times the blue line series and I do the bank pass. How many guys? I can't. Well, but no, but, but like this is something, man. This is something. Like so, you're either doing a drill just to do the drill and oh well, or you do the drill and say oh what's what's going on here? So just simple. You and I are cross each other on the blue line, and let's say. I give it to you, I curl to the middle, and I want you to give a bank pass. Well, a lot of guys will stand there and they make this pass that it goes basically straight down the ice. And I'm talking like sometimes 15, 16, 17-year-old guys. Like So their thought process is like, well, the question should be, how do I make this so it works? So do I have to have a shorter bank pass so I've got more angle? Or, oh, or maybe I step out and I create a different angle. But doing that over and over will let you understand how the boards work too. So you, you you look really smart by doing not much. Yep. That's you it. know what I mean? Yep. So the next one is puck skills. Okay. So you're looking at puck skills. So the control in traffic, control along the boards, control in tight. I think that's the same as control in traffic, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Control in transition, right? Ozone entries and D zone exits. Deception and creativity. So puck handling isn't just going around cones. I was just about to say <laughs> what what wasn't one of the bullet points there was stick handling. Right. You know. Right. It was not how fast can you right. dribble. Right. Like that wasn't one of them. Right. You know. Yeah. That's really so real important, man. Yeah, and I would say doing it with speed, like you know, in my in my opinion, this is just my my coaching shit that comes out is like, can you do it with speed? Can you do it slow? Do you have good lateral movement? But you know, but that's what th- that's what they're looking for because here here's the thing in the game, you're. Um, you're, you're going to be, when you have the puck, you're going to be most likely in traffic than rather than not in traffic. So you yeah. need to be good. Uh, do you skate into a guy's stick or do you fake and go wide? Like those are all things that you're looking at. So anyways, uh, your entries and exits are you making good stick handling plays. Yeah, the two, maybe two examples just as like an, an NHL kind of example. So McDavid, real fast hands, good at all that kind of shit. And then you get a guy like Kucherov. He doesn't do any of that. He's He's not a, Chicky, 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 back and forth a million times. He just smooth handles it, waits, makes a little touch, whatever. So it's not understand what puck control actually means. You know, a lot of game situational. When do you apply skills and when can you make a move? It's not just how fast can you stick handle. Right? Yeah, hockey IQ we talked about last week. Decision making with space, dis- decision making without space, decision making without a puck, puck management, positional awareness, offensive awareness, defensive awareness. So I can go into a lot of stuff there, but basically a lot of this has, uh, um, yeah, is, are you are you just simple? You get the puck and dump it in. Do you always make the same play? Um, that's that's one thing. So can you make plays with a puck? Decision making is it is that going to lead to something else? Your play without the puck, where you spend most of your time in a hockey game, are you making good decisions? And then do you make these decisions under pressure? So defensive, yeah, but, but I highlight that one for a sec, dude. Like the play without the puck, like what you just said. Like you say these little things quick, eh? And like I want to make sure people listen to what you say. Like you you don't have the puck most of the game, you know. And I remember one thing my dad used to he used to always say to me, and he 
he never he talked about what I was doing without the puck, but he was always like, "Man, you like you you barely touched the puck, like you barely had the puck this game or or whatever." And it's like you're barely gonna have the puck, like you're not gonna have it for for long. It's not the most of the game is not having the puck. So if you think people aren't watching like what your your decisions are when you don't have it, it's just wrong because most of the game you don't have it. You know, so make sure that's something you got to take serious when you're. When you're trying to develop as a good player, you have to be able to think the game and see the game when you don't have it. Where are you? Are you finding well, space? All that kind of stuff. It is the game. Yeah. It is the game. It's what, what you do without the puck. Yeah. And uh, so I'll, I'll spend a couple minutes. I think we did a podcast on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um, yeah, you got you got to think about it. If you play 10 minutes in a game or 20 minutes in a game, you probably have the puck. I would say if you're a really good player, less than a minute. So what are you doing without it? That's the difference. So, But it's a, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to understand. But what do you mean play without the puck? Well, this is where you have to be aware. Like, so let's say offensively, okay, we're in the offensive zone and I'm a, I'm a left winger and the puck's in the right-hand side, right? So am I going deep? Am I being a third mind in when it's appropriate? Or am I back? Am I on the strong side? Am I in a defensive zone if the puck squirts loose? That's being aware of your defensive yeah. side of the game when you don't have the puck. Um, in your own zone, you know, are you just floating around? You're actually doing something. Are you, are you boxing a guy out? Are you getting your stick in a good position? In a lane? Are you in a lane? Are you slashing to support a pass? It's like, like there's so many things that you, that, that are appropriate or uh, important when it comes to playing without the puck. Yeah. We did. We did do a full episode yeah, on that, by it, the way, It was too. actually pretty good. Yeah, if you go back, it's literally called Playing Without the Puck. Yeah, That's Playing Without important. the Puck. So yeah. Go listen it's, to that. It's your whole game. Yeah. It's your whole game. It's, uh, you know, boxing and all these little things. So, yeah? Yeah, great. Anyway. Competitiveness. So this is a title, competitiveness. Board battles, forecheck, backcheck, and play away from the puck. Play away from the puck again, right? How do you play without the puck? And just part of that's your body language. Competitiveness. To me, the one way to really do this is, uh, and that's what this uh, Chris Lazary talked about in his uh, um, in the podcast he was on, and this is something Eric Wellwood was really adamant on. Always have a consequence for uh, your games. So whether you're doing three on twos, um, let's say three on twos with different lines, to team guys up. So let's say uh, you got red, white, blue, and I don't know, another color, green line <laughs> against the D. Yeah. Well, like every time a green line scores, you, you mark the scores down so that people, you know, you don't want to be on the losing end all the time. Have consequences for the game. If you lose, this is going to happen. We're going to have to do two laps. Or uh, he used one where you got to untie the guy. The guy skates, stuff like that. So there's always that 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 competitive side to it. So winning and losing, or just doing the drill, is just not good enough. Doing it with uh, mm-hmm. with with something on the line is is Make really important. It takes yeah. it up, man, and it's amazing what will what will uh, how guys how competitive the guys are. Yeah, what's funny is we're starting our league on Sunday. I just thought about this. One problem you run into is summer hockey is there's no compete when you do like pickup games and stuff like that. And so one of the things we did with, uh, with the league that we're starting is one, we're keeping it just like tight with high end guys. But the other thing is we we're having refs and just adding that where like you have a face off, you have whistles. Now it's more like a game and it brings the compete up, you know? So little, anything you can do where you're challenging guys to be more competitive or challenging yourself to be more competitive is, is a good thing. Yeah. So I, I, so I, you know, you try to add competitive to your game and everything that you do, um, not to the point where you're, you're you know, you're, you're a little baby, but yeah. compete and, and try to win and, and, and everything's important because the thing, way you, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So if you practice and you, you practice like it's important, you're going to play like it's important. Um, 
your play away from the puck. So that's the same thing in the summer hockey and in your training or practice. Sometimes you just say, ah, I'm not going to back check it with that much of a purpose, but that's, that's the habits you create for, for your game. So real important. Um, so did I say small area games are really great for uh, competitive things? Oh, you didn't know. Okay, so that's actually really good. So when I do my my small area games or my you know two in two outs and stuff like that, it's games to five or ten, but usually five because it's you know you can play hard for short periods of time, and never there's a consequence or there's a, you know you get to win, get to win or lose. So you could play the best of threes or fives or something like that, and it's like guys play hard. So it matters, man. Just putting a score on it, it matters, and that's the game. You got to learn how to be a competitor. Um, I would say like what I would add to that competitiveness is that a lot of people can come, can pretend to be competitive, you know? So like, you know, when they lose, it's like, Oh man, it's like, they're the saddest guys in the world. And they're just so upset, but they got in the game. They didn't actually do it. Or you can compete when things are easy, but I it's like, say that, yeah, yeah, it's like w- w- competitiveness is like when the games are on the line, when it's like maybe deep in the playoffs or, or, you know, it's a hard fought game. Like the competitors start to show up. There's yeah. no pretending, right? You do the little things. One one example you've given before, which I like, is uh, how do you compete when you know you're gonna lose? That's a good one. If you so some of the when we have different groups of guys on the ice, you might be a U16 AAA kid going against a guy that played in the OHL last year because there's a one year age difference, so you're on the ice at the same time. You'll probably lose, most likely, eight out of ten, seven out of ten. But what do you do when you know that it's likely that you'll lose? That's a good gauge too, right? Instead of what you said is, oh, I got to fix my skate now because I know I'm going against this guy. So I'll skip the line a little bit so that I can go against the next guy or whatever, right? That's another little test for it. Yeah, competitor is going to be, let's just say we're doing a, a race down the ice. This is the simplest thing I come up with. If you look across and you see someone a year older, a, a lot bigger, and is maybe really, really good, and you're not there, you can just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to even bother. Or you could say, I'm going to just see if I can – I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how, yeah, I'm going to see if I can even keep up. Yeah. Like, but it's like testing yourself, right? It's important. That's life, not just hockey. Yep. Competitiveness. Physicality. Are you aggressive? Like aggressiveness. Are you difficult to play against? Ability to shut down a play. Um, So that's all he's got there. So, so like physicality. So you don't have to be like physicality. A lot of times people think that you got to be hitting like uh, Dustin Bufflin or, whatever that's not what that means you know it's are you boxing out when people are around you do you touch them or do you just go into stick checks all the time or do you let people know that you're there offensively and defensively um are you hard to play against like it just if if, if you come around certain guys you're gonna get a stick or you're gonna get an elbow or you're gonna get rubbed or you're gonna get hooked just a little of those subtle things that are gonna annoy you and that's what i was saying about the ethan hay kid for flint he does that all game that's what makes him effective like not only is he working hard defensively but he's doing those little extra things where you know he's there yeah. and he might even chirp you a little bit because he's now he's just a pain in your ass yeah that's what you say play, right? play with some jam that's well that's griff griff's like that man yeah oh yeah oh yeah like, plays, absolutely he's, he's not you know, one of the one of the bullet points under physicality is not open ice hits, right? Yeah, it's like just yeah. you're getting in the shit, you're getting in the mix, you're yeah. you're making some some contact. Doesn't yeah. mean you're blowing guys up yeah. or anything. You're, you're getting just, in scrums. Yeah, you're getting in the scrum. You know, you're touching people in all the, the battle time. always. Yeah. Right? yeah, you're touching people. You don't mind and just being aggressive, being the first to do it, right? Not waiting for people to do it. Uh, the next one was the last one is uh, how do you play in transition? So your offensive zone entries are they controlled? Ozone entries on a pass, D zone exit, 
control D zone exits, D zone exits, passing, driving the play, complementing a play, awareness in the neutral zone. So that's just basically the puck turns over and you got to change gears. Yeah. So it's being aware of what you need to do. Um, that's a whole coaching thing there. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to touch on that. They're looking at that. That's the bottom line. It's like when you come in and you make a play and it turns over, what do you do now? Are you doing anything? Right? Yeah. Are you, are you get a puck on the wall, which is really important on a winger. Are you, what do you do? Are you, are you making the correct decision? That's a transition. So um, anyways, a lot of little things, a lot of little things. So the next step that he goes with, they go with this is for each subcategory out of these eight and all those different things. Wow. Pretty lot of work, eh? Yeah. For each subcategory, he uses a numbered grading system to show where each player is at relative to other prospects. The grades represent a number one out of five. One would be we're concerned. So let's say every time he, because I'm in transition here, every ozone entry on a controlled thing, he's, I'm concerned how he does this. Or five being elite. So concern, below, average, high-end, elite. Obviously, you want to have as many fives and fours as you possibly can. And if you don't, if you're, if, so when you're evaluating yourself, if you, if you can evaluate yourself, then if you have any concerns or below average, you really want to, Put some time into that. So that's a great way to look at your training, right? Oh, yeah, man. So a lot of people could say, yeah, your skating's good, but you're, let's go to skating, but your lateral movements, uh, really concerned about that. Well, there's your, there's your work. There's your yeah. work for the summertime when it comes to skating. Yeah. And, and as this is really good for parents too, because, because the, like some guys, will, people will come to you all the time, they like, well, he needs to work on his footwork. It's like, what does that, what does footwork mean? It's like, where, where does this, where does this sit under the category of skating, which, which subcategory are you talking about? What is footwork? Which part is which part of footwork are we talking about? Right? We're talking about edges. Are you talking about quick starts? Are you talking about separation speed? What what, what, are, you, what are we talking about? You know. So this is a, a way where you can get more specific about what your kid needs. You know, when you're going to try to find someone to help, or or a way to communicate it too, even with the trainers. Like, hey, like, I think he's really lacking here. I don't know what you see, but maybe you can take a look at this part of his game or or whatever. You know. So now you got some more vocabulary to help yourself understand maybe where you're lacking as if it's for your kid or if you are the kid you know right on so uh, i i'm just reading here the evaluation process gives me a display of each player and shows overall where they where they're currently and at with each category gives me a better idea of how they could project as a player and where they need to make improvements to get to their projection after grading each category i also take a look at the player's outlook this includes their overall potential, future concerns, so where they could end up, where I'm concerned about them, and their abilities as a player. The point of this is to paint a whole picture to see what expectations this player can have moving forward. This also usually labels the player to have either a high ceiling or a low floor. And I think that's all I want to talk about with Perfect. that. So... I know I read some of that stuff, so it might not have been as interesting, but the point is is that when guys are scouting, it's not just the eye test. They actually have uh, – well, and Dalton told me because he does this with uh, Florida Panthers now. He scouts as a pro scout, and he goes, the, the paperwork that goes into every player, there's like a book on every guy. So you're not hiding. People are looking at you. They got they got it broken down. So if you think you can shoot, you can get away. Let's just say shooting. Let's say you can sh you shoot a puck and you think it's good. But you know, like deep down, your pucks aren't accurate or your pucks aren't uh, getting off quick or whatever. Like you can't just glance over that and say, well, it should be fine. Because yeah. when you're looking at 
uh, like in the OHL, let's say, there's uh, 20 teams times 20 guys. Oh, 400, sorry. I was going to say 6,000. <laughs> uh, 400 and some guys, you know, give or take, yeah. right? Uh, there's guys that, are, you know, you, you need to be better than them at it. And uh, if you're going to go play in the NHL where there's about 800 guys, you, you, you just can't glance over things because it's so important that all your little skills are taken care of. So all this having been said, again, it doesn't take into account your – that's just your hockey skill itself. Now, what kind of what kind of person do you fit into my team? So if I if you have all these skills, that enables people to look at you. Say, okay, yeah, this guy's got a good, pretty good package. Let's say it's uh, out of five, he usually fits in on a four or five all the time. Let's talk to this kid because he kind of fits our team, I think. Now, are you just an asshole? Maybe we don't like you anymore. Uh, maybe they look at your. You know, they ask you questions and they see how you solve problems. They go, ah, okay, I'm not I'm not sure about this kid. But maybe you walk in there and go, and you and you fit that team perfectly, and then they really have a desire to want you. Yeah. Uh, are you in shape? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So awesome. and it's not to say like all these things. Like when he when he went at the end, it's like to see his. Uh, that's why when people judge people at 16 or even 18 sometimes or 20 sometimes, it's like yeah, the the floor and the ceiling are important. Because if you basically hit your potential, that's what they're looking at. If you hit your potential and you're 17 years old, it's like really there's no more growing to do, or there's too, way too much that he has to get, overcome. Then it's not he's not a draftable kid. Mm-hmm. But if you look at someone and says, "Well, he does this really well, and he's physically going to grow, and he's got this work ethic that wow, and he solves problems like this makes him a much, much, much more interesting player that gives him a lot more potential to play." Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I just got well, one more question, and then we can wrap it up. And you kind of just touched on it there anyways, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you anyway. So in your experience now, because this is just from one guy, you know, this was one guy's outline, whatever. So from the like scouts or coaches or whoever you talk to that have their own evaluation process, whether they're OHL, NHL, whichever guys, um, are there any like distinctions or differences that you think might be important or um, that maybe this guy didn't cover or things that you think should be something else that parents and kids and coach should look at or anything like that? The answer could be no. I'm just, just throwing no, it out well, in case we missed anything. The answer is not really, but every scout and every team has their own little thing. That's their own little twist. Right. So like you might take uh, like one of the, one of my, one, one guy that I talk to a lot is with the Calgary Flames. Um, and he's like, he's very, 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 um, the term he uses a lot is he a Calgary Flame type player. So that's a characteristic. Right. Right. So that's just like he's probably, well, if I know what he's looking for. He's looking for, you know, a guy that is a really competitive. Does they touch people? Do they make plays? You know, so there's a toughness and a skill that goes with it. So that, and, and he's looking for that all the time. So there's, for him, he's not looking at a player. You know, you could go out and skate, you know, look really nice and pretty and all that stuff. But it's like, eh, I don't think he fits in my team. I, I don't even care about him. Um, so that's that's one thing. Um, other teams are a little bit different. But so as a player, I, I don't think you can really – that's the question, right? Is it players or anything you could do? Can parents or – I just want to get your thoughts. Like, is there any, are there any distinctions that you that this guy maybe missed or that you think are important? I think that is one of them, like the team identity piece when yeah. you actually get into yeah. a particular team scouting. Yeah, There's yeah like okay. Team so identity so this, this is what I would say, though. Like, you could you could have all the skill in the world – and that's good. Like you need to have skill. Um, but I think the one thing that will always separate people and you always get a chance is when you have a very, very high compete. So that's, a, that's a term that can be lo- used very loosely. Well, it competes hard. Like when he skates, he grits his teeth and, Oh, 
Like, that's not compete. What compete is, is that, like, and this is the way I look at compete, is where is there that second effort? That's to me. That's that's second. Maybe third, fourth. Like, is there that extra effort every time? You know, you see, you love that player that goes out and sees a loose puck, and you know he's gonna he's gonna not gonna finish that check because oh this one's a good opportunity. He's gonna finish that check because it's time to finish. You finish checks, mm. or you you go and you hit someone and there's a loose puck and you go and you battle for that loose puck and then you might even block a shot. Someone did it the other night. Last night I was watching the Flint game on TV and Ethan Keppen, I think is his name. Big kid, but defensively, uh, and, and, like you could just see the urgency in this game. He went and blocked a shot and it was sticking at the blue light and then he dove at it to knock it out. It's like that's when you see that, there's not one person in the rink that goes, oh, that was shit. Yeah. Everyone just, like, you get a feeling, right? Yeah. So when you're watching a game and you see that guy with the second, that second effort, whether it's a goalie, right? Me and Eric Wellwood used to laugh at this all the time. Goalies would say, well, I stopped the first one. Oh, well, you're only allowed to stop one. Why can't you stop the second, third, fourth, fifth, and ninth? Yeah. That's your job, yeah. right? Don't blame people. Like, give that effort. So that's my thing. And that's coaching everything. You can see the second and third efforts. And that's, to me, that's the competitiveness. And that's when that stands out, That to me, that's everything. Then I'll always give time for that guy. So if I was a player, I would say, am I, am I, if I'm, am I doing maybe even that little extra from the eye test? You always have time. You might not be the most skilled, but someone's gonna say the, the, it doesn't stop though. The guy doesn't stop. Every team I've ever played for, that has definitely been the case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as soon as if a guy's got a little bit of that extra jam mm -hmm. on him, it's like mm -hmm. not only does the, the coach loves him, they want to give him more opportunity. All the all the boys love him. Too. Yeah, you know, that's a good one. Awesome dude.